0: Okay, really, really important halachot on tzedakah. From the Rambam Mishnah Torah, in the chapter, Ma'tanot Gifts to the Poor, chapter 8. Tzedakah, hari tzedakah is included in the category of vows. If a person says, Behold, this um, coin is for charity, he has to give it immediately to somebody who needs it. That there's a there's a verse in the Torah that says don't be late on fulfilling your vows. So if you make a pledge to tzedakah and you don't say bli neder, you need to go ahead and get it given as soon as possible to not be over delaying on fulfilling vows. Because you have the money and because there are always people who need. If you really literally can't find poor people, which is impossible today because of the internet, but back when they didn't have the internet and immediate electronic transfer of funds, you would put it aside until you found somebody who would be a recipient now if you made a condition when you said you're going to give this charity that you're not going to give it until you find the poor person then you don't have to set aside the funds again today this is totally impractical because there is always the immediate ability to transfer uh, funds for tzedakah which is a miracle I'm not going to worry about every single detail here Okay, not going to worry about that one uh, okay. Allahu khofor. En khana omercello zotstaka oha omer hari alai zotstaka he free show. A guy makes a vow whether he realizes it a vow or not but the fact is it has the import of a vow. I'm going to give this coin or this m- bunch of money to Tzedakah, and he sets it aside. If you want to exchange the item that you set aside for Tzedakah for a different item worth the same value, you can. But once it gets to the hands of the collector of Tzedakah, now it's sealed in. That is the Tzedakah you gave, and now it cannot be exchanged anymore. So when the Person vowing the tzedakah is setting it aside. He can exchange the item for equivalent value item of some other item, but once it gets to the hands of the collector, it's given and it's a transaction and it cannot be undone. Even to exchange one item for another item of equal value. and in fact this is so intense that the sedaka collectors can't take the individual contributions and wrap them all together in one big check unless there really is only one recipient then he, they can um they can put it all together in one in one lump sum like they can exchange it, the coins for a big coin worth the same value of the little coins. But in other words, the point here is something we're learning um, very interesting about Tzedakah, is these gifts, like in other words, they can't... You gave 20, and he gave 50, and the idea is to distribute it to different recipients those gifts are given once they reach the hand of the collectors. The collectors can't then go and say, oh, well, we're going to decide to uh, pool all this money and make it one big check and give it to one guy. No, if there are as many recipients as there were individual gifts, those individual gifts have to stay in the form that they were given. And this is going to be like more obvious why when you talk about people giving specific items to, say, a synagogue. Like the Sadaka collectors don't have the right usually to say, um, oh, he gave um, a book and he gave a chair and he gave whatever, we'll sell it all and make it money for the shul. No. Like, once the gift was given to the collector, as I'm donating this item for this organization, they don't have the right to mess with that. Because when they are receiving the item, they're receiving it on behalf of the recipient. And it's like the recipient got it, and now they don't have the right to change the gift the recipient was given. All right. He's just saying in halacha number 5 that uh, in certain cases the collectors of tzedakah can even lend the money they were given as long as it's going to get paid back to eventually go to the recipients of the tzedakah. Alright, halacha vav. So if somebody pledges to give a certain candlestick or candle to the shul, he can't then change what he pledged to give. Now, if there's some mitzvah that will come from it, he can change his pledge if it will end up making a bigger mitzvah. In other words, I think he's saying here, normally somebody pledges a candlestick to the shul The shul can't say, thanks for the candlestick, we're going to sell it because we need the money more, unless the money is clearly going to create a bigger mitzvah for the shul. Like, I can imagine the the shul has enough candlesticks, they really need, though, is uh, some food for somebody, Mm -hmm. then they can make that exchange. Okay. And this is a fascinating case in the Gemara. I happen to have just seen it. If a non-Jew is pledging a certain item to the shul, Mm -hmm. that item cannot be exchanged for something else the the shul deems more necessary, even if it's going to make a bigger mitzvah, because that's going to make the non-Jew upset. Okay. What if, what if it doesn't? Once the non-Jew's name is no longer obviously attached and associated with this item, such that people forget about it, that he was the one who gave that item, then it can be exchanged for a different value. What if the guy himself was like, "Oh, you can exchange"? Yeah, of course. If he makes if he makes the condition, but if he doesn't make that condition, it's just pointing out a very interesting cultural, just spiritual difference uh, about Jews is that. We don't mind if the item is exchanged for a different mitzvah. And there can be all sorts of reasons for that. Okay. Because it might look bad to the non Jew because he's going to say, hey, I donated my thing to their synagogue, to their place of worship, and they sold it for themselves. Because he doesn't know what's going on. So we don't want to look bad in the eyes of the nations. That's the point. We don't want to do anything that might look bad, like we were cheating. Fascinating. If a idol worshiper, a straight-up idol worshiper, wanted to um, donate one of his items to the temple, we wouldn't take it. We wouldn't take it. If we took it, we don't give it back, but we shouldn't take it because we want the temple to be built up solely by the property of people who are not idol worshipers, okay? But that law does not apply by synagogues, which are sort of like miniature temples spread out all over the world. In the first instance, we'll take a a, a gift from even an idol worshipper for a temple. I mean, sorry, for a shul. Interesting. <laughs> as long as he says, "I am donating this item to your synagogue," according to your mindset that you believe in one God, but not that it should be any type of elevation for my false gods, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if we're not sure, we really should just keep it in the Geniza. We should keep it in hiding. Because maybe his heart was for the right reasons, for for heavenly purposes. It is forbidden for a Jew to take charity from a non-Jew in an obvious way. In public way. However, if he can't get money from a Jew, and there's no way for him to live except for to take a donation from a non-Jew, then he can do it, even in public. Now, if the authorities of the nations are sending us a gift, we can't send it back. Because then that would create um, hatred and strife um, with uh, that political government. Government. But really what we should do is accept the gift and then in a private way give to the poor of the non-Jews that we can help out. Okay.